Hello and welcome to Arch Eats. I'm St. Louis Magazine Dining Editor George Mayhe. In each installment, we'll cover the hottest, buzziest places, but also the under-the-radar ones, the hidden gems. Our goal is to provide you with some insider tips and to drill down a little bit. We'll talk about some of the things you might not know about the local dining scene. I've been in the restaurant trenches for well over 30 years before picking up a pen and writing about them about 18 years ago. This episode of Arch Eats is sponsored by Westport Plaza. With me on this journey is Cheryl Bear, who also has decades of restaurant knowledge and insight, and she's certainly no stranger to the dining scene. Welcome aboard, my friend. Did you bring a bottle of champagne so we could christen this thing properly, I hope? I love it. Yeah, I'm pouring for sure. It's going to flow. George, if you've got 30 years, then I probably have 20, which, gosh, 50 years between us. I that's know. just that's a lot of, that's a lot of experience. Wild. It is. That really gets to the root of why we wanted to do this together. The idea is to take a deeper dive, I think, to get where other folks haven't thought about or haven't been. So in, in this first episode, we'll talk about dried and fresh pasta some of our favorite pasta dishes and maybe some of our favorite Italian restaurants. And then we'll plan to finish up with what we call a micro rant, which is a pet peeve. Like when you're at a fast casual restaurant and an iPad gets wheeled around for you to apply a tip and you just walked in the door. Oh man. It's called guilt tipping and today we'll address what's being done about it. But before we get into all that, we'd like to begin the episode in a way we plan to begin every episode with what we can't stop thinking about this week. For me, it's the rooftop deck at Sasha's on Demand. I was just there a couple Saturdays ago. This rooftop deck, you can see it from the street, but it's been a work in progress for a couple years, and, and I'm here to say it's pretty much complete. There's this outside area that you can see uh, from street level, and they recently covered it with an extendable roof. You can go further into the, the, the cold season with it. You're overlooking Concordia Seminary, which is beautiful. There's no street noise up there. It's just a great experience. They play live music up there, and they play it at volume that you can hear your table mates, which how often does that happen? But what people don't see is there's a 48-seat there's a dining room up there that has its own bar. It can be rented for parties. It can be rented for whatever you want. And it's just a special experience, one I wasn't expecting. They'll have propane heaters when it gets a little chillier, and... I think the last phase of this is they're going to put in some electric heaters. I started thinking about other hidden gem rooftop decks, ones that people either don't know about or have forgotten about. And the first one that came to my mind, because I forget about it, is the On God Rainbow Terrace, which is atop the On God Arts Hotel in Grand Center. It's just, again, you can't see that from the street, but the views downtown and to the north and south are just fantastic. It almost takes your breath away. It's so cool. And people just forget about it. And anytime you're down in Grand Center, for whatever reason, I think that's a spot for a, a, a pre-show or pre-theater or pre-concert cocktail. It's just a cool place. The other one that I know a lot of people don't know about is there's a big patio at Frisco Barroom that's on the ground level that's really well done. But what a lot of people don't know about is there's a second floor that has, uh, I guess, 20 or 30 seats up there on the roof that are overlooking Webster Groves there. And you can see a heck of a beautiful sunset from the roof at Frisco Barroom. You've got to have a couple in your back pocket too, Cheryl. I do. You said we were going to learn something new and I didn't even know about Frisco bar rooms. Yeah, you got to go upstairs. Yeah, yeah. It's, and and a lot of people don't know about it. And it's cool up there. And it's you kind of feel like it's your own private little place. Ooh. Yeah. And that's how I'm with you about Sasha's. I feel that way about them, too. And one thing that I thought was just 
absolutely wonderful last season was that they even gave you little blankets. Yes. That you could snuggle up with as you're sitting up there under the rooftop heater. So that place is a gem. But the one, it's a little bit newer, Maryland House in the Central West End. And you wrote about that recently. Oh, my gosh. That place is just fabulous. To me, it's where you take an out-of-town guest if you want them to experience the joy of St. Louis. You're overlooking the West End, right there over Maryland Plaza. You look to your left, you see the chase. You look to your right, you see the cityscape. It's just... And that fountain. And and it's owned by Kevin Brennan, who owns Brennan's, which I used to call the coolest bar in town. And I think that title might go to Maryland House. It is typically Kevin Brennan. There's all kinds of interesting experiences. You wind your way from room to room, and then you end up back on that outdoor deck. It's just a really cool place. And yeah, it's like you said, that's a place I recommend to everybody, your friends, your family, people from out of town. There are memberships involved, but you don't have to be a member. That kind of scares some people off. I thought that was a membership bar. Yeah, it is, but they welcome uh, everybody. I think it's the best experience in the Central West End. They also have the best named cocktail in St. Louis, maybe ever. It's called I Used to Do Coke Here, referring to the um, former Mandarin house life that it had back in the aughts. Down a little alleyway right next to Adara. And it's I don't think there's any signage or little signage, if any. You kind of have to know where you're going. It's a little speakeasy like, you know, to get in there. It's on the third floor. And it's a it's another really cool example of all the fun things that, that are going on in St. Louis. That, that Again, it might take people a while to hear about this. But again, that's why we're here. So the thing I can't stop thinking about is Silky's, a frozen custard place that I recently discovered out in Ellisville. And apparently there's one in St. Charles County as well. But this place has blown me away. I love frozen custard. It's delicious. I love Ted Drew's. I'm a floor sink girl, so I grew up going to Fritz's. So that's where my loyalties actually are. But this Silky's is just outstanding. It's creamier than most. Oddly, it doesn't melt as quickly as others, so I always get a cone. I know it's very boring, but I get a vanilla cone, and uh, it it doesn't melt all over me within 30 seconds. And it, it, I, I thought you said, and tell me if I'm wrong, that you said you liked it better than Ted Drew's, which in St. Louis, I mean, them's fighting words, man. Is that true, or are you going to go out on a limb and say it's Better than Ted Drew's? Well, I already talked about inappropriate cocktail names. I don't think death threats are on the agenda, but I do like it a lot. So uh, it's just wonderful. It's almost a little bit more savory than you get. You get that like really egg, eggy component to it. And it's just and phenomenal. See, and that's what I like about Ted Drew's. It's the texture. It's, it's not ice cream hard, but it's harder than soft serve. You have to work your way through it. It's not this like falling into your hand soft serve and it's not a hard ice cream cone but it's got some resistance it's got a little bite to it and that is is what i love about about ted drews and you say silky's is the same way so we're we're on this we're on the same page here this fall and winter westport plaza is welcoming soda fountain express and 360 westport soda fountain express is a spin on a classic diner and burger joint from the 50s and is a great place to host private events birthday parties and more 360 Westport is a modern rooftop bar and lounge featuring cocktails, expansive wine lists, and small plates. 
Come for a cocktail or dinner with a hand-picked bottle of wine from the sommelier. Follow Westport Plaza on social media at Westport STL to stay informed about giveaways and upcoming events. Experience the unexpected at Westport Plaza. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, we're going to focus on Italian restaurants. And why are we going to do that on our first episode? Why? Because it's a big deal in St. Louis. St. Louisans love their Italian restaurants, and I'm sure you're a fan. People say they love Italian food in St. Louis. and I know where you're going with this, but go exactly. ahead. Exactly. Yep. You're going to the hill. I am going to the hill, but I'm <laughs> not going to the hill. That is, that's the whole point that it seems that's the default. Okay, well, what do you mean by St. Louis has great Italian food? Oh, uh. It means you go to the hill and have toasted ravioli, I guess. I don't think anyone really necessarily thinks through what they mean by loving Italian food, having great Italian food here. And one thing we've discovered is that the hill has fantastic places. Right. We're not dissing the hill by any means. Not at all. But there's so much more to Italian food in St. Louis than just what's on the hill. So... We really thought it would be fun to dig into that. And and in our August issue of St. Louis Magazine, we did a, I think it was a 10-page spread on Italian restaurants, and we covered them. I think we did a spread on casual and then up from casual and then up from that and then ended with special occasion restaurants, which I think was a good way to do it because that's how people eat, I think. Wait, we're in the mood to get dressed up a little bit. Let's go here. Or it's Tuesday night and we're in our flip-flops and cargo shorts, where where should we go? And and anyway, I thought it was a really good way to do that. And again, that was in the August issue, but it's also online uh, at stlmag.com. There's a little plug for us right off the bat. We discovered in that package that there's other kind of nuances and inside tips and different things that people didn't know. And one of them was the difference between fresh and dried pasta. And I'm not sure people think about this that much, but you and I do. And most people just say, I'll have the carbonara, and they don't think whether they're getting fresh or dried pasta. And uh, I just thought we'd spend a, a couple seconds in school here and, and talk about the differences between fresh and dried. Dried is what we're most familiar with, obviously. The drying process takes all the moisture out of the pasta, which means that, and this is something I didn't really know till, till I did some research, dry pasta does not ever really expire. Even though the boxes say they'll give you about three years It holds on forever, which is pretty amazing. Keep it in your pantry and never have to worry about it. Now, fresh pasta, that's a little bit different. It's made with different flour. It's smoother. It's softer. It's springier. It cooks a heck of a lot quicker, and it needs to be consumed within a matter of days, like two days. Then I said, how many kinds of dried pasta are there? I think this is something you could probably win a few bucks at if you play that game at the local bar. I had never thought about it. I know there are a lot, but... I thought 50, and then anytime anytime anybody asks you that, right, they wouldn't ask me this if it wasn't a bigger number, maybe 100. Well, there's 350 kinds, apparently, of dried pasta. What's interesting is there are four times that many names for the pasta because of where these different shapes originate and and the different countries call them different things. Do the math there. It's over a thousand names that you've got to juggle, which I thought was just crazy. Which do I like better? I like them both. It's really, it's it's hard to say. I, I eat a lot more dried pasta, which probably all of us do. Here's another little known fact. The selection at Viviano's Market on the Hill is huge. They've got five or six types of farfalline and penettine, mini penne. And you can get all these at Viviano's. It's the only place that, that I know to get them. So if anybody's out there like me, check out Viviano. We discovered another thing in print package that I'm going to call the Cafe Napoli anomaly. 
Cafe Napoli, everybody knows about that restaurant or now multiple restaurants. They've got three restaurants. The first one, Cafe Napoli in Clayton uses 100% dried pasta. The second one out in town and country uses only fresh pasta. Napoli 3 in St. Charles uses both. Their new restaurant, Napoli C, their seafood restaurant uses both. And it's like, what the heck's going on here? I just thought it was amazing that the same restaurant, the same brand, uh, serves completely different um, pastas at their different restaurants. Did that? Did you know that? No, that's wild to me. And I'm curious, did they tell you why? You would think that we, there would be yeah, brand consistency. Yeah, they that's would want what, one or the yeah, other. That's what every restaurant wants is consistency. And these guys are playing it the other way. The reason they, they, they do that is Cafe Napoli started with dried pasta. And they said, that's what everybody likes. That's what everybody's used to. We didn't want to rock that boat. So we never thought we'd add it. But when it came to Napoli too, they wanted to differentiate it. They wanted a reason for people to go to that Cafe Napoli. So they thought they'd go the fresh route and they make it out there every single day. At Napoli 3, uh, they decided to, to play both sides of the fence and they'll offer a little bit of each. And interestingly enough, I said, which one sells the best? And they said, it's 50-50. We sell exactly straight up fresh to dried 50-50, which it's just amazing because it's, yeah, you want consistency, but th these guys are kind of playing both sides of the fence, which I think is fascinating. Then I most recently wrote about this place in O'Fallon called Osteria Forto, which hasn't opened yet. It's named for Fortunato Pietoso, who's the chef and the brother to Tony, who owns Cafe Napoli. And it, he and his brother Fortunato opened and founded Cafe Napoli in 1989 which I was here then. I just didn't remember that Fortunato was involved. So Chef Fortunato and his son, Dominic, and, and his wife, Liz, are opening this place next month along Highway K in O'Fallon. And I said, why don't I know this Fortunato guy? I've been around so long. And Dominic said, he said, he's been working in, in local kitchens for years, but that's maybe the reason because he's been behind the double doors. He's been in the kitchen. He's, he worked at John Minio's. He worked at Giovanni's. Uh, he worked at Cafe Napoli for 20 years. And I don't think many St. Louisans know that. And, and uh, his son, obviously sons are, are, are big fans of their dad, but he said, and I just had to write this down, that he's a perfectionist. He's insanely talented, incredibly focused and has an amazing way with flavors. If you have an Italian kitchen, Fortunato Pietoso is the guy you want running it. I swear he could touch your plate and it would taste better. This restaurant is a testament to him. We're going to be covering this place when it opens next month in O'Fallon. I'm just really excited about it. It's just you and I know a lot of people around the, the area and, and to kind of meet a guy that's been behind the scenes doing cool things for this long. I was really impressed. And uh, bringing it back to the dried pasta thing, I said, so, hey, Fortunato, what kind of pasta are you using at your place? Dried, fresh, what's it going to be? And he said uh, dried. He's using 100% dried. And he said a lot of people think that fresh pasta is superior, but it, it really depends on who's making it and what dish they're making. And for our specific dishes at his new place that require, and here's your Italian geeky uh, culinary word of the day, that require monte cottura, which is the emulsification process that's used at the end of cooking. Did you ever hear that word Never. before? He says, because we, we use monte cottura, a good high starch dried pasta just works better. And again, I thought that's pretty interesting. I said, so what kind do you use? Let's just let us in on all the stories. And he, he rolled off a name that I'd never heard of called La Molisana. He said, it's the best brand in Italy. 
and it's the best brand he's ever found. And it's a little more expensive, but that's what we're going to use at uh, Osteria Forto. And so I did a little searching and I discovered it's available on Amazon. So there's something else we can order from the Amazon guy. Are we going to start talking about St. Charles as the Hill West now between this, between Noto, Liliana's out there now? It's it's very interesting how that part of the area is exploding. Well, that, that, it is this. exploding. Cottleville especially is exploding. Dominic and, and Liz actually live in Cottleville. And I said, they said, it's just like our favorite place. We wanted to move out here because so much was going on. And they're, I think, seven minutes from from their new restaurant, which is great. Yeah. And he said, Highway K is just like a, a racetrack 24 hours a day. And he said, it's just a darn good place to put a higher end restaurant and, and the area doesn't have anything like it. So let's talk about, do you have a favorite Italian dish, Italian pasta dish, and is it fresh or is it dried, or did, am I putting you on the spot here? Well, I'm going to take it way further east again and talk about Vicini Pasteria oh, in yeah. Lafayette Square. We're talking about people making their own pasta. Dawn Wilson, the owner, is just an outstanding chef, and she makes fantastic pasta there. And she makes it in the window of the in place, the window, which is pretty exactly. cool. Yeah. She spent time studying in Tuscany at slow food restaurants and really learned the art of not just pasta making, but community-based Italian dining, where it's a neighborhood restaurant. It's and, teeny. There's what, 15 seats maybe? Yeah. And I don't even, is it open for dinner? I think it's just a lunch spot at this point. She will do special events. And I think she's saving parties. the evenings for special events. But yeah, it's a lunchtime deal. It's now. wonderful. And she loves the whole community aspect. But she also taught me that there are different sauces that go with different pastas. And we use this sauce with this pasta because and that sauce with this pasta because, which is, you know, again, she studied this for a long time and she's just a, a lovely person. And that place is really cool. Uh, it's in the Lafayette neighborhood. And I wish there was one in U City where I live because that place is, it's one of those places you want for sure. It's perfect. She makes this uh, particular noodle called peachy. That's her specialty. And it's wonderful. It's like a, she calls it a thicker hand rolled spaghetti. And usually she does it cacio e pepe style, but sometimes she'll offer it with pesto and she makes fantastic, really just zesty, garlicky, bright, fresh pesto. So if she's tossing the peachy in that, you absolutely want to get it. Oh, and you mentioned cacio e pepe, which is one of my favorite dishes, especially the version they have at Pasteria. For those not familiar, cacio e pepe is like the quintessential Italian pasta dish because it's simple ingredients, quality ingredients, and not very many of them. They take those canestri noodles, those kind of big elbow-shaped noodles, fresh noodles, and they, I think there's some black pepper, there's a couple kinds of cheese, and then they add hot pasta water to bring all that together, melt that cheese a little bit. The, the, the cheeses bind to the noodles. And I did find out from Gerard Kraft, owner of Pasteria, that they throw a little butter in there too, which is not part of the original mm. recipe, but it really makes it good. And it's interesting that he chooses butter and not olive oil, but I'm telling you, it's it's just a, a, an excellent dish, and it's one of those that, that I eat frequently. It's this huge portion that they give, and I always I draw this imaginary line down the middle of it and say, you know what, I'm going to eat half of this and take the other half home. I do that every single time, and I've yet to take any of it home. That's how good it is. It's just, you just can't stop eating it. It's, it's a delicious, 
simple dish. You've written about cacio e pepe before yourself. Oh, I right? love it. Yeah, I think it's just a classic. That's why it's interesting that they put butter in there. I feel like there are a lot of Italian yeah. nonas. Yeah, yeah, or putting the, yeah. They're, waving they're, their fists in the air say, right now. I was going to they're shaking their finger at Gerard <laughs> saying that's not right. He also uses, I think, two kinds of cheeses. I think he uses um, uh, pecorino and I think it's grana padano. I think which that's it. The other dish I, I really like, and the other restaurant I really like is Palmano's. And uh, I say that because if you drive by Palmano's out in uh, Creve Corps, it's in a very humble strip mall and a very humble storefront. And you'll go, wait, this is one of the best restaurants, Italian restaurants in town. Yes, it is. Just walk in and you'll see why. There's, there's old school music. There's old school posters on the wall. And, and one of my favorite dishes there is the linguine uh, miramonte, which is just the linguine with all kinds of great seafood in it. The best part about Palmano's is that they practice the dying art of tableside finishing. They bring this cart to your table and they heat the plate or bowl up. They just heat it till they practically, they need a, a, a towel to serve it to you. It's so darn hot. And they heat the entree and the pasta too. And why I mention all this is you're eating this pasta and you get all the way down to the last bite and it's still hot. It's still good and hot and delicious. And it's like, man, I wish everybody, every place else could do this. But again, it's a dying art. Uh, you have to train people to do it. But places like uh, Palmano's do it every night. And that's why that place is full every night. It's just awesome. So I learned a Palmano's pro tip just a couple days ago. You may already know this, but Everyone associates it with the lamb. You go to Palmano's, you get the lamb. They do this fantastic rack of lamb. It's finished with butter, capers, a little bit of oregano, cooked beautifully. It's outstanding. But I always think to myself, okay, I want pasta too. You can pay a couple bucks extra and you can upgrade for your side dish to be a small portion of any pasta on the menu. So I got with my lamb... And maybe this was a little overly indulgent, but I got the cheese-filled tortellini with the peas and the prosciutto. So it's and, the best of both and worlds. And I'm sure they prepared it and finished it tableside. Exactly. So your little order was just rocket hot until the last bite. I, I just love that. And, and I wish that's just an old school thing that I just hope never goes away. But And you don't have to choose. It's a and, wonderful thing. And you were talking uh, the other day, too, about uh, a dish at Louis that you like. Yes. And it's not... It's it's a little bit misleading because people think it's different than what it is. There's, well, talk, just mention it because I know you're a big fan, so I shouldn't speak for you. Sure. So I guess the question we have to ask ourselves first is, is gnocchi pasta? I have seen the internet, uh, people will die on the hill of yes and die on the hill of no. I, I don't know where I come down on it. I don't really care because it's delicious. And Louie has this dish called Roman gnocco. Not gnocchi, is, gnocco. It is Big difference. one gigantic pillow of, I don't even well, know what you call it. It's, it's, it's so wonderful. Gnocchi is, I think, traditionally made with, a lot of it's made with potatoes. And it's a formed, it's a formed thing. So since it's formed, I'm calling that a pasta. This is a little bit different. This is like this, like you said, it's this giant pillow of semolina flour mixed with bechamel and they put cheese on top and a pork ragu and it's just, it's really a good dish. It's outrageous. It basically it, hits, it, it's almost as if you could take the best mashed potatoes of your life yes. crossed with lasagna. Yeah, it, it, it is. That's exactly what it's like. And they just 
order one for the table and you'll probably order a second one and people will call it gnocchi. No, it's called Roman gnocco, but I think it's one of their, it's gotta be one of their big sellers. And certainly one of the dishes that I know that Matt McGuire at Louie, I don't think he'll ever take it off the menu. I don't think he ever could. People like us, they go crazy. Well, they go crazy for it. I ordered it. I'm so crazy for this dish. I ordered it during the 115 degree heat wave. It is the last thing you'd think you'd want when it's searing hot outside, but I just, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. It's hard to order anything else on that menu. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, again, people see that and they go, I have no idea what this is. I don't think I want to, you know, risk it. Just, oh, you just want it. do it. Just take the plunge. We said earlier, we want to talk about, you know, one of these micro rants, one of these things that drives people crazy that involve tipping culture. I don't know about you, but I get more calls and questions about tipping than about restaurants. People just don't. They want to do the right thing. They don't want to tip too much or too little. They just want to know where the pulse is as far as tipping because it's always changing. They're getting fatigued. And now they are. I get anxious. I can feel my blood pressure going up when I'm standing at that counter and they whip that tablet around and I'm going, oh boy, here it comes. I remember it started at like 10 and 15 and 18. Which do you want to tip? Okay, I guess I'll take one of those. And then it just kept ratcheting up. And now, fairly recently, I saw one of the options was 30%. And I thought, they're actually asking me to tip 30% for putting a bagel in a bag. And I just, I just can't get there. No services have been performed, really. The counter person is being a counter person. They haven't done anything else. It just drives me uh, uh, crazy. And I, I think it, it's gone too far. Like you said, there's tipflation, tipping fatigue, tip creep. I mean, even the buzzwords have reached the tipping point as far as I'm concerned. And the only reason I bring all this up is because it, I think it's starting to shift the other way. I think people are getting so mad that restaurant owners are, are starting to do something about it. They're either paying their folks just a ton of money so that no tips are allowed, that you'll never see that screen flip around, to which I go, thank you very much. Or, um, and I saw this the other day, that they didn't flip that tip screen around, but they had the old school tip jar on the, on the counter. And I thought, this is a great reason to go back. I didn't like those things when they first occurred, but I really like them now because they relieve me of all that, those high blood pressure situations. Are you, are, unless that, you put your hand in it and try and take your tip yeah, back yeah, like, like George Costanza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You put your hand in, but you can't be taking anything out. That's the whole thing. And it's, it's fun because you can do that and you can put a couple bucks in or a couple fives in and nobody knows you, nobody's, you're not putting your hand in there and unrolling those bills and letting them know. It's just, it's very passive. And I, I just like that. So that's, uh, that's this week's rant. Thank you for listening to St. Louis Magazine's inaugural dining podcast. That's all for this week. That's a wrap. Best dishes and see you next time. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, but you can also subscribe to our dining newsletters. That's plural, stlmag.com slash newsletters. And follow us on Instagram at St. Louis Mag.